0: September 12, 2019
1: We have week one of the NFL in the books A couple weeks of college football in the books Baseball, the playoff picture is starting to take some shape And then we got some news today Actually yesterday, I I believe, in the, uh, the horse racing world Lots of news early over the last 48 hours About the 2018 Triple Crown winner, Justify So Mike, the main
2: man, where do we start? I think right there, you know, it is, to me, it's a it's a non-story, but it's a story, right? It's a story because it all started from, the, you know, one of the biggest newspaper publications in the country, New York Times, and, um, you know, obviously the implications are very strong about our Triple Crown winner and our uh, in-state, in-city uh, legend Bob Baffert with Justify, and, uh, you know, my two cents on it is, It's much ado about nothing with respect to the horse and respect to Bob Baffert. To me, the main issue is why did the CHRB decide to have a meeting in private to discuss the matter and to resolve the matter and not publicize the going-ons within that meeting? What do you think?
1: It's kind of going to sound like a cop-out. The the problem is... I don't know enough about and I'm I've been trying and I'm gonna continue to try to find I just don't know enough about like the drugs and and all and everything like that to like know how big of a deal this is. Like I don't. I don't know if this makes anything this makes any difference, if this is that big of a deal. And I think it's just an instance that people are upset that there wasn't transparency throughout. I I think that's the biggest issue is that people just didn't know what happened right away. And, you know, I just retweeted a few minutes ago a story now where there's all there's going to be um like a domino effect based on this now because if if it, no matter what if this was an instance where justify should have been disqualified then that means the the horses behind justify and the connections behind justify should have something to gain and so the trainer of bolt Dioro. Mick Ruiz now is thinking about taking legal action because he would have been the winner of the Santa
2: Anita Derby. Well, okay. There's a few things here, and I want to start with what you started with, which is about the medication itself. I don't profess to know anything about it yeah. outside of outside of what I've read on uh, Pollock Report. Pollock, Ray Pollock's been pretty good about uh, providing a lot of tweets on this issue, mm-hmm. specifically relating to the drug itself and – you know, my conclusion after reading what he's posted and he's quoted sources and he's actually put up, you know, different articles, if you will, from the actual regulators regarding the drug. OK. And to me, it sounds like it would actually be kind of a detriment in terms of a performance. Yeah. It's a and depressant. That, right? And that's what a
1: lot of the 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 horsemen that I've seen. Responded in a very similar way. Yeah, and then that. they say like,
2: that it's something that's found
1: like in Jimson weed like, and feed and stuff like that. And I think it's the people that are upset are the um, are the betters or the people that maybe aren't horsemen like, like me. But I, cause like I'm saying, I don't know. I really don't and I, it's like like if I took my, I'm like this with cars I hate to say it, you know what I mean, like I don't know what, what that's wrong with my, if, I just, I trust the people that I trust, you know, and I hope that I'm not getting taken to the woodshed because I, I have good relationships with them but it's like, if somebody told me something was wrong with my car and it, I don't, I wouldn't really know you know, what I mean? and I'm like that kind of as far as it comes to like this, the medication with horses, and and even sometimes with injuries. Like I, I don't pretend to be anything more than you know. I'm a gambler and an analyst when it comes to horse racing. You know. <laughs> yeah, but so, we,
2: we could take this step by step, though. Sure, right? sure, sure. Because, Absolutely. Because I, I when you look at it, the the, the the CHRB made a determination not to take action on and what that's, was a positive and that's a, test. That's right? what's the
1: most frustrating part. I think. I don't. I don't. I think it's it's most of the. Why did we just find out about this now? How come this never came out? Because if it was not, huge. if it wasn't a big deal, if, because if, it, and I, again, I'm, we're just kind of having an out, an, a conversation back and forth here. I don't really have a side. I don't know where I stand on this yet. I think it's all still such a kind of ongoing and we're just getting new information out right now. So I, and, and one thing I've learned in, in nowadays is I try not to jump to one side of anything really quickly because information seems to just continue to come out. I try to wait till everything comes out before I make a decision on where I stand. And, um, I just think that that's what's frustrated people, and obviously what what's frustrating about it—not frustrating or just what what dra- raises eyebrows—is it's one, the horse that went on to win the Triple Crown, you know, if the if this cor- uh, would we even hear anything about it if he didn't win his next couple races, probably not, no. right? Two, that it's Baffert maybe the best trainer of all time or one of them or, you know, the most high profile he's on the short list that anyone wants to mention as far as, you know, winning Kentucky Derbies and big races and his success with three year olds and over and overall, you know, and, and the fact that a a few years ago, you know, Baffert had the, uh, the, that, um, string of uh, a lot of horses that, went down he's just he no matter what he's just a polarizing controversial figure whether you like him or not whether you agree or not it's just a lot of the times that's what happens when when you're the best there's going to be people that are very opinionated on you on both sides so um, it, it'll be very interesting to see what comes out next because you know Baffert had a statement this morning and now the, the latest of it was that Mick Ruiz might be taking action so I I mean I don't I haven't I don't know what happens or what comes of this I really don't.
2: Yeah, it, look, if we take it step by step, a lot of the, a lot of the layers to the onion actually, you know, can be peeled off pretty quickly because the, the main problem actually is with with the rule itself regarding and I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to give it a stab here. scopolamine. 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 I think I got it. Anyways, if what the a- ARCI classification and penalty guidelines state is that absent of mitigating circumstances, the horse should be disqualified and there should be a loss of purse money. Okay. Now, California law mm-hmm. mandates, and here's what the conflict is, that test results must remain confidential mm-hmm. unless and until a complaint is filed. And a complaint can only be filed at the end of the investigative process. So now you've got two conflicting kind of approaches to how you're supposed to resolve this issue. Now, when we're talking about mitigating, mitigating circumstances, they can make a determination at the end that, okay, this was an environmental thing or from the feed. We're not going to pursue it. That's fine. I'm good with that. Once again, the issue is when you have these meetings in, in private and you don't reveal anything about it, don't even hint at it, it becomes why are they keeping it secret? What are they trying to hide? Who are they trying to benefit? Oh, Bob Baffert always gets away with blah, 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 and all the things that you said about the history, right? But as far as I'm concerned, I, the reason I think it's a non-issue is because I don't think it's a performance enhancer. And because of this rule conflict, they're going to be able to like skate away from this, right? Because they could say, hey, look, we're not allowed to un- un- reveal these results, right? And because there was no complaint filed. So that becomes a moot point, and then... We're kind of forced to all move on and like it, which has always been the problem with the horse racing. Right. I do want to address one thing about the Kentucky Derby really, really fast. Then we can move on from this issue, which is there's really no privity of contract, if you will, between the Kentucky Derby. um, Well, I was talking about the Santa Anita Derby. Santa Anita Derby is fine, but I've heard that, people saying, like, good magic, right? And I'm sure you've seen that, too. Oh, well, yeah. good magic. Good ma- well, here's the other thing. Well, because I, let's what, just say Justify is out of the race. Let's well, say he's not even, never even in it. Do we know how the pace set up? Do we know no, good no, magic but, still but wins? And we can't do the that. Way, but that's
1: the way it happens in horse racing. Like, when, when horses have, have ever – when they have drug test issues, it is given to the runner-up. And that horse is just disqualified from the win, from the purse, or, for, or from whatever it is, and then redistributed. Because that's always the running joke is like, oh, so the betters are the only ones that get screwed when something happens. Sure. Because you know? because yeah, other people end up getting paid out. Um, but because what I think why people are making that is because if Justify doesn't win the Santa Anita Derby, he doesn't qualify for the Kentucky Derby. Sure. To get in, that he makes need, sense. He, needed, he didn't have the points because he was you know so late onto the scene. So then he's not even in the race. So then, you know, that's a whole different story. That's not even like he won the race, but had a DQ. Like, so that's why the the chain reaction of this is is a, a difficult kind of tricky one. Um, but I again, I it's just it it all came out so quickly. I need to to kind of to process di- it a digest more. all yeah. the information a little bit more, and see what comes next because it's literally kind of like I literally I think I retweeted the Mick Rui story two minutes before we we came on, so it's kind of slapping a, uh, us in the face, but. It's anytime it's something that's that would be dealing with. I mean, if, if it was Baffert, Pletcher, or Chad Brown, that would be the only people that would draw this kind of attention.
2: Oh, no doubt and, about and, it. And
1: I don't even know about the other two, to be honest. Like, well, this, this is probably the, on like a national story as far as people talking about this on like NBC and CBS and, you know, and, you know, where the this story came out in the New York Times and whether or not it, it's from someone who has a hit piece you know history against horse racing or someone who it's just i i one thing i don't like is that there's there's so much negative right now and this has been a bad year for horse racing in general with everything and then something like this comes out and then it kind of divides people even more i know i know know, it makes it more divisive so it's just like and it it's it's a bummer for the timing because it sounds weird but like things were smooth at del mar um, com- coming off of a couple like a, some decent summer meetings where people get a little bit more excited for the the better racing and then kind of leading into the Breeders Cup. And actually, just even from like a, be- a fan friendly, like Kentucky Downs was re- is a really fun meet that was just going and people kind of get excited to play some of those races. And so the vibe over the last few weeks in just kind of like on horse racing Twitter hasn't been bad no uh, really compared to how it was bad. earlier in the year and so this is kind of a bu- um just a bummer overall because now sure. there's really. going to be people on both sides of this you know and, and people are going to be really like divisive about it because it's one of those things that like uh, i just i just don't quite know yet where, where i'm going to stand and when you have the baffert in there people are going to have their opinions one way or the other
2: No doubt about it. I just want to understand this a little bit better because you made a good point about the purse money and the disqualification and what's supposed to happen. But that's if you fail a drug test. Sure. So they failed the the, the supposedly the drug test that we're talking about is before the Santa Anita Derby. Right. But he didn't fail anything before the Kentucky Derby. No. You see what I'm saying so, so how Oh sure, he, so that's why it's how can such a tricky. I he Q from that one and and all of a sudden give right, you know, move up good magic when he passed. The yeah, drug I don't test and I don't think that one. And that's I, what I'm kind of like puzzled about.
1: I've heard that. In my opinion, the only person who'd actually have a an actual case is is Mick Ruiz. Is is Ruiz because that the next race is is, is difficult cuz then like nothing. You get tested very regularly throughout the the other three, You didn't fail anything throughout the other three. Sure. Um so yeah, we'll we'll revisit this story as much, and, and if you follow us on social media, on Twitter and stuff, uh, well I, I will generally just if there's something that comes out, I'll like retweet it and I'll wait. And I won't even really comment too much on about, it. like I said, I, we have a platform here and, and another show where I can do that a little bit, but I just don't have a real strong opinion quite yet on this because I'm I'm waiting and I just don't like to make opinions when I don't really know and, and then look <laughs> look foolish a week after so I don't need to be
2: quite hot takey on this one way or another quite yet you know sure but I think one thing that most would agree on is that there's massive amount of distrust with California oh, racing, with CHRB yeah, and you know and I think if we really trusted them then it would be a little bit different. Just all, all but racing in it's kind of like Goodell's office. Remember when Goodell's yep. office, for a long time, you know, it, it's been quiet sort of lately, but for a while there, it was like anything that they did was going to be scrutinized and criticized yeah, by the general like they've, public. It feels like they've
1: gotten a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it does. And it, it, it can turn, but we, you know, we've had this discussion many times about horse racing. It's just, I don't know um, – I don't know the people that are like the major people in charge that I necessarily trust to like start to turn racing. And if like you have football, maybe you don't trust Goodell, but there are a lot of smart people, you know, in, in places of power there who know what they're doing. Sure. Um, so yeah, this will be a, a topic that we will continue to revisit, but we have a, it's about four or five minutes before our first break. And I think before we bring our first guest on, you want to talk a little bit about the MLB playoff races, what's going on. Uh, things are, Really tight now in the AL wild card and the NL wild card. The divisions are, I think, for the most part, like you look at the NL Central and the AL Central, I think something could happen there only because the Cardinals and the Brewers and the Cubs all still play each other a lot. Um and the Indians and the Twins have a big series coming up this weekend where they play ch- each other three times. So like, if the Indians sweat there, then they can maybe get right back into it. But other than that, the the divisions are pretty well-shaped up. But in these wild-card races, who are you leaning towards?
2: Yeah, first of all, congrats to your Dodgers. They uh, got took care of business, obviously, against Baltimore. So good division. stuff there. Yeah, good stuff there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Roberts, you know, he's, he's taken the heat, but man, I'll tell you, he's delivered time and time again. And I like, I like what Roberts has done simply because a lot of times you have managers that are really, really adamant about having the team kind of be a reflection of them and the way they played, maybe a hustle guy or this or that. But he, he's got hustle guys, but he hasn't built it on like speed. And, you know, he's, he's built it on, you know, powerball and good at bats and strong pitching. And defense, and that's the way that you win championships. And as much as people were like, "Well, the Red Sox last year had, you know, a super power lineup," it was a better hitting lineup than it was a power lineup. And when we have good hitting. Sometimes the power will come because you got line drive hitters like Bellinger. Bellinger is—I don't look at him and say he's a home run hitter. I see he's a really good line yeah. drive hitter, and it's generated. A ton of power, mm-hmm. you know, so congrats on the Dodgers. I know you asked me a different question, but I sure felt thanks. it was worth mentioning and congratulating Roberts and company on a fine job that they've done. Really too bad for the Brewers in that their MVP candidate goes down with a uh, busted kneecap when they're uh, probably playing their best baseball of the year right now on a hot streak. In one, a six six in, a in a row. Is it seven? now? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, it's really a shame that they're dealing with that. Interesting that the Diamondbacks got really hot and then they've hit a wall all of a sudden on this road trip. They kind of had crept back into things. But I'll tell you, the two teams that probably nobody wants to face are the Nationals and if the Mets found any way possible yeah. to be able to sneak into this mm-hmm. thing because they got front-line starting pitchers that can beat anybody on any given day. You know, mm-hmm. pro- probably the best pitchers in the National League are uh, with those two teams outside of the Dodgers, right? So that's, I mean, to me, it's all going to be about those. I think the Braves are maybe sitting a little bit under the radar. They're probably saying, you know what, we're chomping at the bit. Everybody's underestimating us. Everybody's kind of poo-pooing on our pitching staff. But overall, top to bottom, they've played pretty sound baseball. And at any point in time, Max Fried and company could come in and pitch really well and be able to sneak through.
1: Um let's, yeah, let's keep well let's keep that conversation going for a okay, second. Yeah. Let's take a break. Let's take a break and cause we can talk a little more baseball and then we have a uh, Saad Yousef coming on in, in just a few minutes. So let's take a quick break here. First break of the of the uh, the show here on the Mike Aberdeer show. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
0: Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. Channel. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at the show.com Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, we will pick up some thoughts on the American
1: League and what the the playoff race looks like over there. But, Mike, I believe we have our first guest on hold. Why don't you introduce him?
2: Yeah, we're going to be talking some uh, NFL here with America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, obviously one of the more popular teams in the league. We've had a lot of you guys out there talking about wanting to hear more Cowboys talk. So here it is. We are going to be joined right now by Saad Youssef of The Athletic Dallas-Fort Worth. He covers it all, really. We're just talking uh, on break there. All four major sports. What's on your plate right now, Saad? How are you? Hey, Sad. I'm, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So uh, let's, let's start with Dallas. And I actually have some questions maybe about the Rangers as well, if we've got some time. But big win, obviously, in week one. I know the big talk going into the week was Ezekiel Elliott. The big talk coming out of the week was Dak Prescott. Any updates right now on the contractual situation, and and when that could be getting done, and 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 lastly, what did Dak do last week to maybe solidify the bucks that he's about to earn?
3: Well, I don't think there's any like uh, you know hardcore update. I think the the two sides are getting closer, and and you know Dak's demeanor doesn't really change a whole lot. I mean, last two days he's been in the locker room. Today was his media availability. He was the same old guy yesterday. He was just, you know, hanging out, talking to reporters on the side, things like that. Nothing really changes about him. Um, he doesn't get phased by all the questions about the contract or anything like that. I would think that the contract would be. Yeah, I, I would say it's more of a matter of weeks than months. Um, if anything, maybe a week or two. But yeah, and you know what? What he did week one, I, I don't know how much that really changed anything as far as his. Uh, as far as his status goes, as crazy as that sounds, given he had a pa- perfect quarterback rating, but really, the, the Cowboys have, have been and still are 110% committed to back Prescott. It's not so much, this isn't a contract situation of, oh, prove it, and then maybe we'll give you a contract. This is purely not agreeing on the numbers right now, and once they do come to an agreement, that's always going to be something that you know both sides had. In mind that Dak wants to be in Dallas, and the Cowboys definitely want him to be their quarterback.
2: Now, yeah, nice.
1: uh, oh, go ahead, Judah. I was going to say this quarterback Dak looked like a, a different quarterback last week, and I think a lot of that had to do with Kellen Moore. It was the issue with the, the Cowboys the last few years. They've they've always been a, a pretty good team, a pretty solid team, even in some of their down years. They've had a lot of talent, and now it seems like they are. One of the more balanced teams all around, but the play calling was just a little different this week, Saad. I mean, last last year they did not get into a whole lot of play action. This year, I think they were double in week one their play action, and Dak was incredible in play action on 15 dropbacks. He was 14 of 15, and you mentioned the passer rating he had a perfect passer rating. Pro Football Focus graded him a 91.2. He was it was the highest single grade of his career. H- how different is this offense, and how? Like, how much better is this team, and how much higher is their ceiling now without the conservative kind of Garrett play calling?
3: Well, well, it was Linnahan, and also uh, to be completely honest with you, it's not. Uh, it's not really that different. The offense is pretty much the same. Now, it it looks different. It appears very different. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you have. It, it's kind of like when you go out in Halloween and like underneath everything um, is the same person. Now you can put whatever costume you want on it. And that's kind of what this offense is right now. A lot of what they're doing conceptually, the concepts they're running, the plays they're running are all the same. Now the difference is that there's a lot more pre-snap motion. There, and, then, and, and, and I think the biggest, the biggest difference with Kellen Moore compared to Scott Linehan is not so much that the play calls are different, but when they're being called are different. And you saw that right from the start of the game. The first play of the game was a play-action deep out, deep stop mm-hmm. route to Amari Cooper. And I guarantee you, if Scott Linhan was calling the game, it would have been a right run right up the middle with Zeke. And, you know, there's plenty of time throughout the game where, where yes, the Cowboys did run right up the middle with Zeke, but maybe it was on second and seven instead of first and ten. And on first and ten, you saw a lot more taking shots. And then you also see a lot more motion. I mean, one play that definitely sticks out is where there was a play where they had like six guys go in motion and then and then eventually Randall Cobb just comes through the back, the back side and, uh, Dak throws him a swing pass for like a, for like 13, 14 yards. And so those kind of plays were already in the playbook. It's not like a completely revamped playbook. Um, because what people have to understand is Jason Garrett is an offensive mind and coach. This is still Jason Garrett's system. It was Jason Garrett's system last year too when Linehan was doing the play calling and stuff. The system is the same. But the way it's being executed is different, and and it has a new, uh, new school flavor to it. And I think that the whole offense is benefiting, but Dak especially is.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, to me, it's all about believability, right? You know, sellability. Are you able to really convince the other side that you can effectively run the ball and pass the ball in order to make it all work? One formation in particular that I was just fascinated with and the execution of it, because you could pretty much align up the same way and do it over and over and over again and get different outcomes and positive gains was that bubble formation, three wide receivers split to the left, Your tight end at the end of the line. He does the arc release and allows Dak to, to have kind of a, a zone read RPO possibility, but it kind of creates this man coverage scenario with the safety coming over to cover the uh, tight end, and they ran that to perfection. Uh, you, you you saw where the linebackers overcommitted, allowed Dak to be able to kind of scamper off and get a quick first down. Boom! They run it again, and they get like a fifteen-yard pass play. It just the sellability, I believe, of Dak Prescott is really what makes it work.
3: Yeah, I mean, Dak is Dak is the perfect person right now for this offense, and I, I think I think it goes all around. And, and the crazy thing is that this offense, a lot of people, and rightfully so want to want to have the added caveat of like you know yes it was just the Giants and no doubt the Giants defense without Landon Collins without Snacks Harrison without all these guys they've had in past years was severely under my, uh, under you know th- they didn't have as much talent but another thing you have to understand is the Cowboys also were not at full strength um, Amari Cooper is still working his way back to becoming healthy. I think he's about at 80, 90% right now, which is scary for other teams. If this is 80, 90% Amari, And then also Zeke was only in town for four days before that game. And it, I mean, I'm not going to blame his production on, uh, on being away, being in Cabo, because history tells us whether you go back to his days at Ohio state, or you look at his first three seasons with the Cowboys, he just historically starts slower to season, um, that that's just something that you know. For whatever reason it is, whether he's in training camp or not, he just does. But look, once the once Dak starts doing this, and now once that safety comes out of the box to double Amari or double Gallup, who by the way had a phenomenal game as well, um, now it's going to open things for Zeke. And Zeke against the seven man box is advantage to the Cowboys every single time, and twice on Sunday.
1: Yeah, that that's I think to me also what's the difference between this Cowboys team and maybe you know, two years ago, the receiving core or the pass catchers they have now, I think even quietly, someone like Jason Witten coming back, you have Gallup there, you have Cooper and hey, Randall Cobb didn't look bad either. If you can get this version of Randall Cobb as like your third or fourth option, uh, probably fifth option when you add Zeke into the mix, you know, catching passes out of the backfield, Like, did... Was this kind of buzz there with Gallup leading into the year? I heard a little bit about it, but he just—it wasn't like a, this looked like it was a one-game thing. He looked like a completely different player, like physically out on the field. He looked so confident in the way he was carrying himself.
3: Yeah, I mean, to be to be completely honest with you, uh, for for all of us, uh, you know, following the team locally and and clo- like close to the team, uh, the Gallup thing really wasn't a surprise. He's been doing this all camp in the preseason. Um, every single practice was kind of the same thing. I mean, because remember, Amari Cooper has been out for like a month, so Mm -hmm. Gallup has been the primary target for Dak, and, and, I mean, he's shown up big in every practice and games and all that. So Gallup wasn't that much of a surprise, but I will tell you Cobb was a surprise because Cobb was not – I don't want to say he was bad in camp, but he just never caught your eye. And, I mean, there was chatter in around the third week of the preseason, second or third week where there were legitimate people talking about, you know, should Tavon Austin take over that role in the slot? Um, because Cobb just didn't look like he was special. And, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that, you know, Cobb has is the same guy that he was early in his days in Green Bay. However, uh, there's a re, there's also a reason why he came on the cheap to Dallas. And it's because, yes, he can make the plays like he did on 3rd and 10, the red zone where he bloke, broke that tackle and picked up the first down. But also... He has injury concerns. And if you, so if the Cowboys can get this all season long with Cobb, then they have an absolute steal in free agency. The question is, can he stay on the field? If he stays on the field, I don't think there's any question that he's going to be a monster pickup for them.
2: On the defensive side of the ball, it looks like, uh, you know, they put together a pretty good game plan, were able to execute, and uh, limited the Giants. Uh, you know, kind of wh- how do you project this defense through the course of the year?
3: Uh, I think it's, it's going to end up being a top 10 NFL defense, which is, um, which is what they expect as well. Uh, the defense especially, well, they didn't look extremely um, dominant, I guess, against the Giants, especially early. I think part of that had to do with them knocking some rust off. We saw Saquon you know, pick up that 59-yard run, but then after that, he was pretty much, you know, especially by his standards and how good he is, he was pretty bottled up the rest of the way. Also, helped that the Cowboys got in front a lot. But with the defense, remember Robert Quinn comes back next week. Donovan Milton Wilson, um, the safety, who who I think is going to be the best player in the secondary, maybe after Byron Jones. But but even including Byron Jones, Donovan Wilson might be the best playmaker because while Byron Jones can cover his receiver, he doesn't intercept footballs. And Donovan Wilson, he was the preseason leader in the entire NFL in intercepting football. So once he comes back, that's going to be a boost. Once Robert Quinn comes back, that's going to be a boost to the defensive line. And God knows the linebacker in court does not need any kind of boost because I don't know if you can get any better in the NFL um, than the duo of Leighton Van Esch and Jalen Smith. May, I mean, there's a strong argument that that is the best two-man duo um, in the NFL. I think Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis, back when Thomas Davis was playing and stuff, um, was probably it, but now I think those are the two best linebackers. So you look at the defense, you look at the coaching they have on defense, probably one of the best defensive line coaches in, and I'm not, you know, speaking in hyperbole in NFL history in Rod Marinelli, and then you have Chris Richard Agreed. who's this up and comer hot shot, and so I think you know all that combined is it's pretty good for the Cowboys.
2: Yeah, when I when I represented Simeon Rice, he had, I mean, he the way he hails Marinelli, it it. He would echo your exact sentiment that he probably is the best of, of all time. Um, really quickly, when you look at the uh, Cowboys schedule, they play some of the toughest teams in the NFL. Um, you know, they have the Saints on their schedule this year at at New Orleans. They got the Patriots over there as well. You know, they have the the Bears in Chicago. Uh, they got the Rams later during the year at home. I know it's a one game at a time type league, but how important do you think it is for them to be able to get this victory on the road in Washington and then Miami the week after to be able to get off Gotta get 3-0, 3-0 yeah. start, right? I mean, it's a must, right?
3: Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say at minimum 2-1, and one, but yeah, 3-0, oh, especially given what you just uh, outlined with the rest of the schedule, um, is, is pretty important. And, and I think I think more than anything, it's big for confidence because if you look at this week right here, FedEx Field, last year the Cowboys lost one division game. And it was at FedEx field in Washington last year. And, 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 you know, we were we're in the locker room today, earlier today. And, uh, and I was there yesterday as well. And these players just, I mean, I was, I was kind of surprised at how much they haven't forgotten about that. I mean, because these guys always talk about one game at a time and, oh, this is a new season. But then you start talking to them and all of them remember the loss at Washington last year, um, it was the uh, it was the last game before the bye week. It was right before they got Amari Cooper, so uh, they definitely remember that game and they want to get some revenge. And then you talk about Miami. I mean, I mean, if if any NFL team loses to Miami, uh, that's just it's demoralizing because Miami is <laughs> is just such a crapshoot. They're <laughs> so bad that it, it goes more than a loss. It's not just one L in the standings. It's like, oh my God, we just lost to. Basically, a JV NFL team, and, and so I, I, you're right. I do think they need to go three and zero, especially going into New Orleans and then Green Bay right after that.
2: Yeah, imagine if they had like European uh, or the World Soccer model relegated. Where, uh, they, they get relegated. I mean, Miami would uh, probably this you're would be the year we'd be talking about. It. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Saad, uh, we, we uh, before we you we came on the air, you were talking about all the different sports that you cover. Just really quickly, let our listeners know. Uh, how much is really on your plate and which is your favorite sport or team to cover? <laughs>
3: well, I mean, you know, yeah. I got no complaints. Like I'm, I'm very, <laughs> very, very, blessed to do it. I mean, literally just, uh, I think, yeah, just yesterday I was, uh, you know, I went to stars practice and then went straight from there to Cowboys practice then drove from there to Arlington for Rangers clubhouse. And then, um, had a Mavs meeting uh, for a story that I'm working on this weekend. So I hit the DFW Grand Slam yesterday, and then today um, I just had uh, some some stars work, and then uh, and then I, I went out to Cowboys practice, and then was at Rangers clubhouse for a while uh, earlier today. And so and, and, and you know it's a lot of fun. I think I think my favorite sport to pro- my favorite sport. Look, I I'm, I'm raised in Texas. Played four years of high school football here. Football is always going to be my favorite sport. But as a media member, probably my favorite team to cover has to be a Dallas Stars because they're so good right now. They're Stanley Cup contenders, but also just by nature of being a hockey team in Texas, um, as a media member, you get a lot more access. It's a lot easier <laughs> to talk to the superstars um, because there's not as much attention. Like trying to get a one-on-one with Dak Prescott, good luck. Um, but try to get a one-on-one with Tyler Sagan and you just kind of have to name the day and you can probably get it. So I think the Stars are probably my favorite, but football and basketball are two of my favorite sports growing up. So I love it all, man. I, I do. And, and I got absolutely no complaints about what's on my plate. It, it is the dream job.
2: Now, if the listeners out there want to kind of read about what's on your plate, how th- can they follow you and your good work?
3: Yeah, I'm on Twitter, Saad Yusuf126. And then, of course, you can follow my work at the, athletic, um, at the Athletic Dallas, my work as well as just a bunch of our colleagues who do fantastic work as well. Uh, especially if you're a Cowboys fan. I mean, what Bob Sturm does on uh, what breaking down the uh, nuts and bolts of what goes on there with the Cowboys is probably second to none. I would say of any NFL team, you'll just be a smarter football fan if you follow yeah. Bob. Yeah,
2: that is good stuff there, man. Hey, as always, we are very appreciative of you taking Thanks, time man. out of your busy, busy schedule covering uh, uh, all the sports in the United States and maybe even beyond. So thank <laughs> you so much, man.
3: No, thank you guys for having me. I
2: always appreciate it. That's Saad Youssef, the athletic, Dallas-Fort Worth. Good stuff, as always. Man, that guy is uh, really, like, like so well-rounded when it comes to the sporting world. Did he hear all that? Tra- traveling from this camp to that facility to the other, you know, it's, like, crazy. And he he's very... Um-
1: they say sometimes like jack of all trades, master of none. That's not the case with him, as you can tell. No. He could get into the like the defensive, um, yeah. You know, like he can get into very specifics with you in in every sport, and so he really, really knows what he's talking about. He's a great guest to have because we can go again, uh, like a circle around with everything. Uh, awesome time, Assad.
2: Pays attention to all the little details, uh, which is what makes him uh, a good conversation. So let's take a quick commercial. We'll uh, circle back up on the American League. And then get back to week two, football selections. Stay with us. We'll be back in a quick moment.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America racers and rental cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry join hosts cameron Ferre and don o'neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day it's about the business as well as the fun we've got the scoop the guests the discussion and the wtf moments all you need to do is bring your ears Racers and rental cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voice This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at show.com Now, back to this week's program.
1: Big thanks there to Sa Yousaf, who uh, covers everything Dallas-Fort Worth, and we can talk all the Dallas teams with him. It's going to be a good year for the Cowboys. It really is. I actually had them right on the outside, making the playoffs mainly because I thought the NFC was really tough and really wide open. And as Mike mentioned, they have a pretty tough schedule, but I think they'll get the job done this week. And then they have Miami week three. So they should, should get up to three, and know, pretty quickly. And, uh, over in, in baseball, we were talking about the national league for a moment and the, the national league playoff races and, the only real playoff race is in that central where the Cardinals are up four on the Cubs and the Brewers. And both of those teams could have a small chance, mainly because the, the Cubs and the Cardinals play each other seven times down the stretch. And as far as the wild card is concerned, right behind the Nationals, who look like they secured that first wild card spot, the Brewers and the Cubs are tied for the second spot. And then behind them, the Mets are two back. The Phillies are two and a half back. And then the Diamondbacks, they look like they're probably out of it now. They've lost five in a row, and they're three and a half back. And then over in the American
2: League, but it hey, looks real quick, like you know, If if the Brewers do make it, I mean, they don't have the starting pitching to really be able no, to survive they right? No,
1: they won't—no. Right? Won't, and, and, you know, I could see them actually making it as, like— trying to like you know a rallying cry for their their yellage that's gone down and then get really hot over the next couple weeks but they wouldn't
2: be able to win a series I no don't think they'd even be you're able not gonna to be able the the to bullpen it like you did last no. year the bullpen isn't as strong as last no, year. no not at all they're not best not starting all. pitchers on the sidelines right now who knows when he's going to come back supposedly in the last week of the season but as we're uh watch witnessing right now with the uh, hill when you miss this much time hill with the dodgers that is when you miss this much time you're rusty Scary, yeah. Um, scariest team
1: in the National League is the Nationals. To me, as the team that I would not want to play. You've been
2: saying that all year. All long. Year. It Looks, it looks like you're right. Mm-hmm. I
1: just, I just hope for, I hope that they can beat in the in that wild card game, and the Dodgers don't have to play them. I just, do, I, I do not want to have to play them. And then over in the American League, it's, it looks like in the, uh, in the wild card race, it's going to be there's three teams battling for the two spots. And you know what? This could go right down to the wire because these three teams are all pretty good they've all had pretty good years and they're not separated by a whole lot mike the rays the A, uh, the a's and the
2: indians all separated by one game in the loss column right now I, I i mean i can't i mean if, if one would put a gun to my head i couldn't really figure it out now they're all playing really good baseball they're probably playing better than what the roster on paper looks like sure. and i love that me too i love that especially from the smaller market clubs like the Rays and like the A's, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for those teams, you know, it wouldn't make for a very sexy World Series. So from the perspective that I love baseball and I want to see baseball thriving, you obviously want to see Yankees, Dodgers or Astros, Dodgers rematch or, you know, some, you know, you got to have New York and or L.A. in it, you know, but uh, from like a, just like I love baseball perspective to see the A's getting there would be super, super cool.
1: Okay, let's get into NFL Week 2 games. we got about 10 to 15 minutes left. We can get to uh, a little bit of what happened in Week 1 and then what will be coming in Week 2. I'll mention a game. uh, The Bucks-Panthers are a Thursday night game. We won't really talk a lot about that because that game is about to start shortly. But uh, I'll mention a game. If you like the game, if you have a play in there, we'll sit on it for a little while. If not, we can maybe mention one or two things and then just move on. Um, Colts-Titans right now. This uh, line is Titans minus three and a half, but it opened at minus five and a half and it's moving in the Colts direction. The, I actually was really impressed with the Colts. I thought they played well. They probably should have won that game. I don't I, and I like them in this spot, but I would have I don't want to play this line at three and a half when it it's moved in the in the opposite direction of what I want. So I, I I'll just kind of watch this game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't really have an opinion necessarily on this game or not, but uh, I I do have an opinion on the Titans, which is, and you already know, I wasn't that high on Cleveland going into the season. No. I I didn't have them as a playoff team for me. Um, And, uh, you know, sometimes you watch week one and you're like, can I have that prediction back? Uh, That wasn't one of those instances. Uh, I don't think that they're going to get shellacked in every game uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But I really don't think that they're necessarily that good. And my biggest issue is with Freddie Kitchens. But we're not talking about the Cleveland Browns right now. We're talking about the Titans. And I thought a part of it was that the Titans played a really good football game on the road. They came out and surprised Cleveland. And, uh, you know, hey, I'll tell you what, man. If they're able to beat the Colts at home and get to 2-0, and you know, it, the, each win in the NFL, we talked about this last year, it's like a 10-game winning streak mm-hmm. in baseball. It's yep. a big deal. And if you can start mm-hmm. off 2-0, the percentages. Uh, uh, chances of you making the playoffs, you know, they they're exceedingly higher, you know. And the t- Titans aren't a, a team that maybe a lot of people had as and a playoff contender. But I have no idea what to do with this team ever, any year. Like I just don't because they do. They they
1: always have games like this where they go beat the crap out of the Patriots. Yeah. Or they have a big game on Monday night football yep. and then everybody jumps on their bandwagon and then they completely collapse. Because it's tough to just, figure out their quarterback. so man. difficult because Mario and even last week, like I he I watched that man, he, he was not quite as good as the numbers looked. They were really inflated because there was a seventy-five yard screen pass to Henry that made his numbers overall look good. He was missing a lot of open receivers there too. And the real key to that game, the penalties. Eighteen penalties for 185 yards for the Browns. 185 yards worth of penalties. So you know, I think the Titans played well. They caused some of some of those penalties, but not all of them.
2: No, Chargers, here, I agree. And, yeah, uh, he had the least completions for any of any team that won last week. Fourteen yeah, it, completions. It like you said, good. they got a lot of chunks on big plays. But mm-hmm. you know, he's just a hard guy to figure out. Never know what to do with you know? him. Ever. He's kind of a winner. You know, I mean, I. I I guess I could they, sort
1: of say that. I don't know. They always just feel like they're going to be around 8-8 eight and eight to me. Because it's like what we say. They take a, a big step forward and then like two steps back. Yeah. Uh, Chargers at Lions. This line is now Chargers minus 2.5. Any thoughts on this one after the Lions blew that game? They were up 24-6 to six late. Absolutely choked away that game and to end up tying it. Shootout. Yeah. This game I think should- this should be a pretty high scoring game. Yeah, over-under is 47.5 right now. Uh, Bills. I can see that going over. Yeah, Bills at the Giants. This is going to be one of my plays, Mike. This game opened at the Bills plus three. It's now the Bills minus one and a half. The Giants are a plus one and a half point favorite at home. I just think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. I don't think either one of them are great teams. I think the Bills have a better defense. I think the Giants have a couple pieces on offense, and the Giants are at home. This, to me, felt like this game should have been... Uh, you know, Giants slightly favored. What the line may have started, even Giants minus one or two. I feel like I'm getting a free couple points in here. I'm going to take the Giants in this game plus one and a half at home.
2: Uh, t- yeah. You know, God bless you, man. I think that's, I think it's a coin toss for me. And it's a uh, line play. It's not a team's play. Some, sure. some games you play, you're
1: playing the team. And some games you're playing the number because you look at the number and go, yeah, you know what? I just don't know if the Bills are good enough to be a couple points favored on the road against anybody.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean— they blew a I guess if I was impressed with uh, with any either of the teams, I kind of like the Bills grittiness. Sure. You know, they like were it. down at home and they were able to and the Giants didn't show me a lot of heart. And here's the here's the interesting thing. I thought it was really, really curious that um, that Manning got the axe at the time that he did. And they brought in their rook first round quarterback into the game. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, he. I think that's. In week that'll, one? That'll, you know, you know, I think I know. that'll probably happen in situations like that where they feel like they're down and out already. Um, and I'm not even like a big fan of the Giants in particular. I just think this is a, a game where they're getting a couple free points at, yeah, but, at, uh,
2: at home. But going I back just, to that quarterback issue, w- would Peyton Manning have ever allowed when he's down well, by. The difference he's Peyton,
1: like, Mr. Comeback, I want to come. Peyton Manning is an Eli Manning, and that's the difference. And the difference is, in particular, is the the team's record these last few years. They just haven't been good. Yep. If the team was good and they were getting their butts kicked, that probably wouldn't have happened, right? Agreed. But they've just been bad. Um, so so maybe that's the reason why. Agreed. Uh, Next Card- Ravens beat up on the Dolphins. This line now is up to 13. They're at home against the Cardinals. I actually picked this one in my survivor pool. Uh, I, don't need, I don't need the points in there. I just need to pick a winner. What do you think of this game?
2: Yeah, this is actually one of my games, and uh, we'll recap and list them all. I actually have a lot this week. I'm going to surprise you, Gino. But the Ravens... To me, uh, obviously, they looked better than they are with 59 points against Miami. Just one of those games where everything goes their way and they're playing against a crappy team. They're not going to beat teams uh, by 59, you know, 49-point uh, margins every week. However, I think this is a, a good opportunity for them to be able to kind of show on back-to-back weeks the consistency of Lamar Jackson. Yep. And I think that they are going to really hand it to the Cardinals, who are very fortunate in a, in a comfortable environment at home to be able to come back, I'm sure that gave them a little bit of co- confidence, but traveling to the East Coast, it's going to be a hostile environment for a first-time starter on the road in uh, Kyler Murray, and uh, I could see the Ravens beating, beating the Cardinals, you know, something in the neighborhood of 27 to 6. So I take the, the two touchdowns plus victory easily with the Ravens at minus 13.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned a point about Dak Prescott earlier. We were talking about the Cowboys. And this is going to be a real key for Lamar Jackson because if Lamar Jackson can make throws down the field like he made last week and now people go, yeah, it was against Miami. If you look at Miami, the only set offensively or defensively where Miami is actually good is in their secondary. That's where they actually have legitimate NFL players who would start on other teams, and they still got torched there. Now it was because Lamar had some more time to throw. But you mentioned because of the, with Dak, because of the ability to run, it makes opposing secondaries have to cheat a little bit because of the, 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 Option of Dak running, and that's the exact same thing with a guy like Lamar. And if he can, and he's prove, a lot faster than Dak. And he's a lot faster. If he can yep. prove he can make the throws that he was making last week, this team will take a big step forward. They were one of my favorite overs to play on the season over over under because just like we saw with Dallas, they could get a couple easy wins right off the bat and start to build some confidence. So I'm not yeah. gonna play it, the 14, it, but I like the Ravens this year. Throughout the year, and this was my survivor pick.
2: Yeah, and First. I think you'll find also it. Sometimes it takes the NFL a little a little while to catch up to a quarterback, and so you kind of ride them while they're hot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure at some point in time they're going to solve the Lamar Jackson riddle, but until then, and he didn't run a lot can.
1: last week. That's the thing. He he, yeah. he was like c- he was but intent on throwing, and, and, and that that's threat. the thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So he's really
2: sellability. It's like, hey, <laughs> we're going to line up here, and at any point in time, they think that we could run. You know, run pass quarterback option. You well, just they have a don't better know. They have a better back now than they've
1: had in the last few years too with Ingram. Sir, they have a legitimate P.S. Yeah, legit. The first play of the game, he ripped off a 50 a 50-yard 50 run. Now and we moved to the team that they beat the crap out of, the Dolphins. This game opened at 15 Mike and it's up to 18 and a half, 19 some places. The Patriots on the road playing the Dolphins, a team that they've actually historically not played well down in Miami. Remember last year that that yeah. weird play at the end of the game where Gronk fell
2: over and Miami won? Dolphins have historically done well against the Patriots. You know, the Patriots are going to win this game from a point spread perspective. You know, a lot of people say it's a big line. A lot of times, when it's a big line, that kind of means to, to take it. Uh, but you know, for me, it's a no touch. But if I were to take a side, I, I would probably go with New England until Miami gets things figured out. Yeah, the large large favorites like this have are not
1: good against the point spread. In particular, the Patriots—they've won all all these games, but they're never really. Like content, I and mean, I don't think they even really care about winning this game by twenty. You know, they and I could see a total backdoor late. You know, win this game by seventeen. Um, let's see anything in the Cowboys Redskins game.
2: Washington plus five at home. Kind of funny, right? Because we were just raving about the Cowboys and talking with sad at how dangerous they are and defensively they're going to be a top ten team and all that kind of stuff. But I like Washington in this spot at home. Saad did mention the difficulties that the Cowboys have had against a divisional opponent at FedEx Field. Like the Redskins, these teams know each other really, really well. I think five points is a lot of points at home for a a division rival who needs to win the game. So I'll take the five. Okay, we only have a couple minutes left, so I don't think we'll be able to get through uh, most of the
1: game. So So I'm going to read through my plays, and then you you go with mine. So for me, uh, the plays right now, I have Green Bay. The Packers. I like the Packers. If you can get them at minus two and a half somewhere, look for that. They're minus three. I if it gets up to three and a half, don't take it. That's the key. Two and a half, three. That's where you keep the the Packers at. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna keep an eye on this Jags game. The Jags right now are up to plus eight and a half, nine some places. Like if you can get it to nine or even up to ten, if you wait a little longer, absolutely nine and ten are the key numbers. So I'm going to take the Jags on the road plus the nine there. The Giants, I mentioned that one earlier. They're plus one and a half at home, and uh, the Colts is, is a game I'm going to not going to play. But if if I can get it up to plus three and a half, if I can get up to plus three and a half, I might. And then with the final game, the Falcons. The Falcons looked so bad last week. They were down 14 to nothing after a horrible block punt and an interception early. I'm taking the Falcons at home, plus one and a half against the Eagles. So I'll have four plays for you this week. Packers, Jags, Giants, and Falcons. And if we can get that Colts game up a little bit, I'll make that one another play.
2: Okay, well, Gino, we weren't very good last week, so we're going to bounce back this week. You're going to go 4-0, and and I'm going to go 6-0. Six games that's the most I've ever doled out on this show. Baltimore. Cincinnati, Green Bay, Denver, Atlanta, Washington. All point spread games. Take them all. doesn't matter what the line is, half point here or there. I like all of them. Baltimore, Cincinnati, Green Bay, Denver, Atlanta, Washington. I will tweet them out this week as I did last weekend, and I'll also post our records each and every week for complete transparency. Fun show, Gino. Thank you. Thanks to Saad Youssef from The Athletic, Dallas-Fort Worth,